0: Hi, and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bennett, and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Make a noise so we can hear the live audience. <laughs> you can hear it's girls except for Sam. Long. It's like, woo! And the photographer. <laughs> All right, so um, Hannah and I have actually been really wonderful friends for a long time. So I'm going to introduce her, not because you guys, you of course know her, but the listeners on the podcast right now have not met Hannah. Don't follow her on social media because she doesn't really post. (laughs) Literally, I'm going to hold her to more posting. I always go to her Instagram to see what's happening in the life of Hannah. It's like nothing since April 2018 like (laughs) maybe 2019. I think someone asked me recently they're like are you okay? I'm
1: like yeah I'm okay and they're like oh you just have nothing on your twins up there and I was like oh yeah. Yeah you you don't have the twins up there Sam doesn't. I I probably yeah it's just something that's like on the bottom of my list. It's
0: actually what I love about Hannah because she's not like you know on Instagram all the time it's actually a good thing. Um So for those people that are listening right now, Hannah is the Youth Life Director along with her husband Sam of South Australia and she's also a worship leader and a singer and a mother of three, only had twins a year ago which is amazing and most of all a really good friend of mine, hence why we were late coming on the stage because we were literally having a really good convo which we are mid-convo. She's like, hold that thought. I said, okay, so after we get down, we're going to continue our thought of something that changed her life. (laughs) I really want to know what it is. So we're going to have a conversation about Hannah's life, and I know that as you guys listen today, or girls, I should say, that this will be something that will really touch your heart, and I'm going to get Hannah to pray for us all at the end as well. Um, But let's start off with a few get-to-know-you questions, Hannah. Sure. Okay, so Hannah's married. Just tell us how long you've been married. Um...
1: Six years in January.
0: Six years. Nice. Yeah, six years in January. Yeah. Sam, yep. looking at Sam for confirmation. Sam, that <laughs> does not look very confident. He's like, I think so. When you've had twins, you probably forget what the years. Yeah, are. Well, I even forgot how old I was the other day. I was like, I think I'm, I
1: think I'm thirty-one. Claim the youngest to... year that you thought you were. Yeah, just claim yeah, that yeah, one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, tell us. Um, What is Sam's worst habit? Okay, there are a few, right? Okay, there's more than one. There
1: are a few that drive me absolutely insane, but the one that makes me most mad is he makes himself sneeze. So, like, he'll get objects. It could be a fingernail, it could be a toothpick, it could be. Anything, and he'll, like, wiggle it up his nose until he sneezes. And it drives me bonkers. Because I'm a very allergic person, so when I sneeze, it's like, for me, I associate that with, like, distress. And so if he keeps sneezing, I'm like,
0: stop doing that.
1: Just stop doing
0: that. But, yeah, he does He did it on an Instagram Live in our youth group. I was watching that. He was in the car, because I think the house was too noisy, doing an Instagram Live. And I think he put a pen lid up his nose... Him and his brother both
1: do it. They do it for pleasure, they say.
0: That's disgusting, Sam. Yeah. And during COVID, you cannot do that. You get (laughs) funny looks. Cameron had a sneezing fit on the plane. Did he? On the way here. Were people looking at him funny? Daggers. People were like... And he had a mask on. (gasps) Did someone just sneeze? (laughs) Bless you. Okay. How did Sam propose to you? He flew me to Sydney...
1: Um, so he was speaking at a, at a camp in Kondo, which is in, in New, regional New South Wales, I think. And then he flew back to Sydney. And so he called me and said, because um, we were planning on having dinner out in Adelaide that night. Anyway, he called me and said, how about we have dinner in Sydney instead of Adelaide? And I was like, okay, I think you're going to propose to me. So he flew me to Sydney and I met him there. At one of the restaurants we had one of our first dates at, and our thing when we were dating was photo boothing. We used to do a lot of photo boothing, so um, we'd ha- we had dinner at this restaurant, and then we went into the photo booth and he proposed to me while it was flashing. And then when I opened the curtains, my family was there and his family were there to celebrate with us. And yeah, that's how he proposed. So you've actually lovely. got
0: photographic evidence. I do, literally. Yep, it's on our wall at home. Too bad if her face was like. <laughs> No. No. Can you imagine Sam is on his phone? I'm believing not listening to He's just wife. taking some serious notes. <laughs> He's taking some notes on how to propose. <laughs> so, but imagine if she said no and that was caught on the photo page. Yeah, that'd be bad. No. He you, I'd say yes. knew it. So who liked who first?
1: Mm, good question. Sam it's Sam a told pretty long car, story. I'll see if it matches up. So, God told me six months before I actually had feelings for him that I was going to marry him when he was seeing somebody else.
0: Oh, that's... Yeah, that at is,
1: Hillsong Conference. So, God told me and I was like, that's weird. Like, but I didn't feel repulsed because I didn't like him. But I was like, I'm not like, oh, no, God, no. It was just like, okay, I guess. Like, but I wasn't excited. I wasn't repulsed. It was just like... I already, it wasn't even a shock, it was just like, okay, I guess so, but I'm not telling anyone, and like, God, it's completely up to you, I'm not messaging him, I'm not talking to him, I'm going to avoid him like the plague, and if it's you, it will happen. And then January, I started getting butterflies, and then March, he started texting me, and then April, we started dating, and then a year and a week later, he proposed to me.
0: Okay, so that was all within like, what, 18 months? Yeah, but we grew up together. Did you go to school together? No.
1: Um, she can't remember. Briefly. Well, see, he's two and a half years younger than me. So when I moved to Murray Bridge, I was in year six and he was in year three. Oh.
0: <laughs> Cameron, I'm older than Cameron too. Yeah.
1: So, so was, we would have technically gone to the same school, but he would have been on a different campus. He would have been on junior campus. and He was, I was in on primary school.
0: He was in junior primary when you're in primary. That's right. And then when you're in high school, Gross. he was in primary school. I know. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. But Sin. it all worked out
1: in the end, so that's good.
0: So, but we went to
1: church together. Yeah, okay. Did church stuff together, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's really key. Okay, so that's pretty dangerous, though, when, when I hear people say, God told me I'm going to, you know, marry them and it works out for you, but then about 55,000 other people think God told them and it's clearly not right. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say, I would say a big thing would be obviously circumstances, like if they don't like you, then clearly you're wrong.
1: Yeah, and I think for me, it was like, I, like literally, I know this sounds bad, but I literally at the time, I didn't have any feelings. I didn't find him attractive. There was nothing. <laughs> there was Sorry, nothing there. So like for God to do that right. and to tell me, it wasn't like I was like infatuated with this dude and I was just like, I'm sure God has told me. It was like God knew, because I take a long time to get used to an idea.
0: To prepare so you, God just then. had to like
1: just prepare me. Even when I got engaged, I was like, I need a couple of days just to like, this is a big thing that's changing, right? And then when I got pregnant, this is a big thing that's changing. I take a long time to process things, yeah. I get so that. I feel like that was God maybe being like, yeah. just PS, don't worry, it's not happening right now. But one day you're going to marry him, so just get In used six to the idea.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I get it, <laughs> I get it, especially about the baby thing. Because once you're pregnant, you're like, oop, there's only one way out, oops. Yep. stuck now. Yeah, <laughs> You're exactly. stuck with that baby. Yep. Okay, so you've had a lot of ups and downs in life, mm-hmm. but one of the things that I admire about you the most, and it's a characteristic that I do talk about quite a bit on the podcast, um, that I think is really important is emotional stability. And it doesn't mean that we don't feel emotions, but you are very you're a very stable person. You're very easy to be around. It's not like, oh, what mood is Hannah in today? You know, you're very stable. What do you think is... Why do you think you are an emotionally stable person? Um, I think that... Like, I
1: think that emotions are good mm-hmm. and that you should feel all emotions. Like, you yes. should feel angry, you should feel sad... There's all different feelings, and feelings are not bad, but I don't think that they should ever be a foundation for your decisions or for That's great. Um, your core beliefs you or any of anything like that. So, like, so for me, and you look at David in the Bible and his circumstances were unfair. And so I think in life there's going to be unfair circumstances, there's going to be Friends that are mean to you or people that are in the wrong and you're in the right, but, and it's okay to feel hurt, but I think if you can come into a situation and say, okay, I'm feeling insecure because that person didn't speak to me and that was rude, instead of placing my, the condition of where I'm at on that person and say, well, well, it's their fault. It's like, okay, well, what needs to change in me? So like, yes, it hurt, and maybe they're in the wrong, but I actually, need, okay, so the, the issue is actually my insecurity. I can't control anyone around me, but I can control the condition of my heart and my emotions. And so even like through life, you're going to be hurt. You're going to be rejected. Yeah. You're, you're going to have all sorts of circumstances. But if you can then say, okay, what is God trying to pull out of me? Where is he trying to grow me? What fruit is he trying to develop? Okay, I need to be... Okay, I need patience. I need I need to be integrous in this situation. And so my feelings aren't my foundation. My foundation is the word of God. And I know that God has good plans for me. And I know what He says about me. So I just need to, yep, feel the emotion, but don't stay there. It's not my destination. It's just something I'm going to move through and I'm going to grow out of it. And so I think if you can move through life with with no expectation on anybody to make you feel a certain way, that the problem is them, the problem is you. If there's something in you that's offended or upset, that's something you you need to work through. You take responsibility for yourself.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah, Yeah. basically. Because you can't place your happiness on the circumstances around you. Yeah. yeah, I don't think. No, you can't.
0: No, you
1: can't. No, you can't do that. Otherwise you would
0: be up and down and up and down along with your circumstances. But hear me when I say feelings are still okay. Yeah, we need to... You just can't. You can't ignore your feelings. You can't settle there. Yeah. And you said it at the start, you can't dictate how they make you behave. Yes. So, yeah. okay. So you have had a faith in God for a long time. Mm-hmm. How did you first come to have a relationship with God for yourself? I was pretty
1: lucky because I grew up in a... I grew up in a Christian home and my mum was, her relationship with God was very inspiring. She was very, Mm. she was a strong, motivated um, woman of God. Like, people would flock to her for guidance and protection and all of that. So, like, I, I think I observed her passion and her love for God and I was like, I want that in my life. Like, I'd even watch her spend time with God, like, reading the Word and, like, you know, watching podcasts and all of that. And, like, mm. I, was, I just saw the hunger in her and I was, like, I want that. Um, yeah. So I think I experienced God. I experienced the Holy Spirit at a very young age. I don't remember the actual defining moment of, like, that was when I, like, raised my hand and, like, got saved. Yeah. I don't have that because yeah. I think because of my environment, I was always always kind of in it and believed yeah. it. yeah. But I think through circumstances in life, that's when my own faith was like, okay, like you've got to stand on your own two feet sort of thing. Like you can't stand on people around you or other people's faith. You have to like grow your own roots and go deep in God. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent.
0: So you talk about your mum and what a role model that she was for you. Um, But your mum died quite a few years or a few years ago. How old were you at the time? I was 15. When she died, yeah. Right, so right in those kind of teenage years. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like, so tell us a bit about your mum. Like, you obviously looked up to her a lot. Yeah. What was she like? So she
1: was, she was like the glue of our family. Mm. Um, She was definitely not perfect. She wasn't, she wasn't like this perfect, like, never did anything wrong. Like, she would have meltdowns. Like, she had four kids. Yeah. Under, I don't even know how many, like, what our ages were or whatever. But that's like a lot of kids to have. I have three, and I'm like, I'm so done. Like, I'm not having any more. <laughs> um, but she, even though she wasn't perfect, I knew that I was so loved by her. And just like, I just felt incredibly protected. She would, she would be who I ran to for everything if... You know, if I felt sad, if I was afraid about something, if I had an issue, I would, like, confess my sin to her. You know, like, and I just felt <laughs> yeah. like, I just Better. need to get this off my chest. I've got to go tell my mum, you know. like, yeah. So, for me, um, yeah, she was just a very, very safe place. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure I can speak for all of my siblings. Like, they also had that same relationship with her. Yeah. Um, but she loved God. And especially when she, um, when she got sick, she was so... Like, her faith was so inspiring. Like, even the yeah. elders in our church just gleaned from her because she was just, like, I don't know, oh. so in love with God and, like, her strength was him. Yeah. That was her strength.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So
0: that would have left a really, really big hole in your life and in your family's life. Mm-hmm. What do you remember most about that time, like, just after she died? It was just very dark, like,
1: um. yeah, because my family were like the poster family of the church, like they're the good right. family, like the Prince, because my, my last name was Prince, the Prince family were like the, the all together, like, look up to family. Yeah. Um, and home was such a safe place, but it just... Literally overnight got turned on its head. Um, and my dad, like, became very angry. And so, yeah, it was just, like, it felt very empty. Like, home was, like, a very cold, angry, everyone just, like, stand up for yourself. Like, a um, place that I just hated being. And even when I was, like, out or, like, at church or... At my friend's house, I would just dread having to go home. Like, it was like, oh, God, like, I want to enjoy this, but I know I have to go home at the end. Um, And, yeah, it was just very, just very empty, very sad. And I just think even just seeing, like, my siblings struggle in life, it was just, like, a constant reminder of her absence. And, um, yeah, just a constant, like realisation of the huge hole that was left because she really yeah. was, like, the glue, like, Thank 100%. You. Sorry, guys, I told so Renee I was, I was probably going to cry. She told me she'd cry. I was like, I'm sorry <laughs> in sorry. advance. It's fine. Um, yeah, so it was very hard. Uh, my sister, um, she moved away, like, within a year of my mum's death because it was just, like, home was literally just, it was horrible. Yeah. Because
0: um, what, what happened with your sister?
1: what happened with her. Mm. So she moved to America and she did nannying. Mm. Um, And for her, she felt so out of control that her way to cope with... Because, I mean, like, my mum had died and there was a lot of grief caught up in that. So she ran away, sort of thing. And I think because she felt so out of control, the the only thing she could control was... What she put in her mouth, and so she came home after a year um, of being in America, and she was very sick. She was um, she was anorexic. She was diagnosed with anorexia, Um, and the way I found out was like because she came home and she was evidently tiny, Mm. but she actually lied me into believing that she was fine. Like, she just would lie to me, and so I believed she was fine. My dad would say, she's ill, she's sick. Like, and I'd be like, no, Dad, you don't know her. You don't understand, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so one day, because she'd wake up every morning, and she would say, do I look fat in this? And I'd, you know, I idolised my sister. I'd say, no, like, you look beautiful. Like, you know, she's very attractive, and I'd, you know, tell her about how beautiful she looked. Anyway, so there's this one day... And I looked in the mirror and I said, do I look fat in this? And she just ripped into me. Like, she was like, don't you ever say that about yourself, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what the heck? Like, and I started crying because I was so angry. I'm like, you know, I do this for you every day, right? Like I, like, I assure you every day and I tell you that you're beautiful and you're yelling at me, you're angry at me for asking you the same thing. Yeah. And I started crying and she sat down next to my on the bed and she just said, Look, I'm so sorry. She's like, "Hannah, I'm sick and I hate myself." And every morning I look in the mirror and I hate what I look like and I never want you to think that about yourself because you're beautiful. And yeah, she was she was very very ill, but she didn't really want help for a while. She um she just loved the control and loved the like, she needed the control. Yeah. She needed to be out of control.
0: And that's that's where often the eating disorders can come from, mm. is it's a symptom of the fact that you... Everything else is spinning out of control in your life and there's one thing you can control and it's, what you, it's your food. Yeah. And so that's her response.
1: Yeah. And How I did... said to her, I said, you know, like... Because she was just having tests and I think... Like, some of her organs started shutting down. Like, she wasn't having her periods or anything. And I said to her... Because growing up, she was very maternal. My youngest brother was a bit of a surprise baby. So, she Mm -hmm. was very maternal to him. Mm. And I could see she just wanted to be a mum. And I I said to her, like, you know, if you keep doing this... Because, you know, you try and be rational and she just couldn't understand it. I said, if you keep doing this to your body, Naomi, like, what if... What if you can't have kids? Like, and she's like, I don't care. I don't care about having kids. I don't even want to marri- get married. All I want is to live in the hills with a veggie garden and be skinny. That's all I want.
0: How did she come out of that?
1: Um, Obviously a so, lot of time. Uh, so, I mean, compared to a lot of other people that were on her journey, she was pretty blessed. She came out of it fairly fast compared to a lot of her peers that were also struggling with eating disorders. Um, But one night she kind of came out, um, she was going to bed and she came out in her dressing gown and she was shaking and she was saying, it's so cold in here, it's so cold and I can't stop shaking and I was like, Naomi, it's not cold in here. Um, So they took her to the hospital and basically like her body just was not coping with the lack of nutrition And I think that scared her into, okay, wow, I'm doing something seriously bad to my body. Um, And wanted help but didn't want help at the same time. Anyway, there was a a program, an eating program, um, like eating disorder program, sorry, at Flinders Medical Centre. And the psychologist was telling us about it and he said, but the only thing is there's a two-month wait. Mm
0: -hmm. And I was like,
1: oh my gosh, in two months she's going to be dead. Like she's still losing like a kilo a day a kilo a week Yeah, and so I just cried out to God and I just said like God I, I've lost my mom. I cannot lose my sister mm. you have to please do something like you have to do something and she has to get into this program mm. and so I felt like God put on my heart pray for two weeks not two months so I started praying for two weeks and believing like, mm. two weeks she's going to get in and two weeks came and we didn't hear anything I was like, thanks, God. <laughs> Why did you tell me two weeks? Yeah. Um, but the next morning I woke up and no one was in the house. and We'd missed a call from the day before. Wow. On the wow. answering machine. Yeah, they were like, there's a spot, bring her down. And she, wow. she was admitted. And that was the, the, the beginning of the turnaround for her, was getting that medical and yeah. support and help.
0: Yeah. And, and so what about yourself? You obviously cope very differently. What helped get you through when your mum died? um i I just cried a lot, and I think mm. it was really good for me right so
1: like i i had people around me, my senior pastors um josh and Belinda in Murray mm. bridge they're li- they're the pastors of lifehouse they um they mothered me they parented me yeah. um because basically i i felt like when my mum died my dad was not coping, and so i didn't I wasn't parented a lot until they kind of took me in Um, and they were very intentional about being in my life and just supporting me, not even necessarily doing anything but, like, I'm sure Belinda heard the same stories every Sunday. I would just sit there and cry and weep and just process my grief and tell her where I was really at, just being really honest and open and letting the grief come out instead of trying yes. to suppress it. I think that was really important.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but ultimately, like, God. Yeah. Like, God got me through. And um, mm. I would... Even when my mum was sick, I would think about the things that I was struggling with and find Bible verses that were, like, would speak truth to my darkness. Mm. And I would write them... Because I was very weak. Like, I felt like I had... No strength in my body, so or in my spirit, like I just had no strength. I was, I felt so weak, and so I would write the promises of God down in my pocket. And then when I was at school, if I was like, felt like I was just done, I would pull them out and I would read them and I'd remind myself of the truth. And one of the verses that I used to cling to is um, Romans 8, verse 38 and 39, and it says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will separate us from the love of God. And so even though I felt completely hopeless, I didn't see any light, I could see in that verse, like, I think my hope was in my mother's love. My hope was in my family's togetherness. My hope was in all of these things that I couldn't control anymore and realising that I don't have control over the circumstances in my life. But that no matter what happened, no matter how far away I ran, if I ran away from God, if I was mad at God, if I, if I made all of these wrong decisions, if you know, if Sam leaves me, if something happens to my kids, no matter what happens, God's love will remain the same. Yesterday, today, forever, yeah. He will remain the same. And He is the one that I can put my trust in, my hope in, and that even though I feel like there is no hope, God's love is enough. It's enough to restore my hope. It's enough to be- mend my broken heart. It is enough to carry me through and to prosper me, that God's going to prosper me. He's going to give me hope. He's going to give me blessing. And that is what I held on to And like, knowing that I can't put my strength or my hope in things that fail me. But God's n- never. He will yeah. never fail. He will st- stay constant. So you
0: actually learned a life lesson at such a young age that the foundation of your hope can't be anything except in Jesus. Yes. And I think, you know, when we are younger, we do put our hope in our families and you put your trust in your families or you might put it in your health or you put it, you know, in your circumstances. But I think when something, the good the good takeaway out of the difficult times is that we realise that those things can't be the foundation for our lives. Yeah. You know, you, you glossed over something that I actually think incredibly amazing did you say that you wrote that scripture on paper and put it in your pocket so what you said yeah because I needed to see it but that's amazing like what a what a great thing to do that when you're struggling with a hard time that you put a like that is a piece of hope in your pocket You know, some people might write it on their phone maybe, but I think there's something powerful about having, you know, if you're, whatever it is that you might be struggling with, find a scripture, write it out like Hannah did and put it in your pocket. And if you have to, pull it out 50,000 times a day and let that be your truth, not your circumstances. The other thing that you have said to me that that one thing that got you through was that you knew that your mum was in a... in in a good place because of when she passed away? Yes. So,
1: when she died, um, and, like, I think now knowing... Now that I have my own babies, the thought of leaving them without me is, like, terrible. Mm. Like, I cannot understand how my mum carried, I'm leaving my babies here. Yeah. And, God, I hope they're okay without me. You know, like, that... Yeah. The the mother's heart for your kids is like you will understand it one day. It's like you would do anything for them. Anyway, so knowing now the burden that she would have been carrying, knowing that she was leaving us, mm. I remember because we were all in the hospital. It was like my my no my brothers were at home. Sorry, they were quite young when my mum died, so they were at home. Me and my sister, my dad, my auntie, and my sister's best friend. We were in the hospital and it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. We'd all just fallen asleep and my mum passed away. So my auntie woke me up. I think my, sorry, my dad and my auntie were awake at the time. My dad was reading my mum, Romans 8, verse 38 and 39, for I'm convinced, that you know, that scripture that I used to carry around. He was reading her that, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life will separate me from the love of God. So as soon as she passed away, my auntie woke me up and said, Hannah, like, mum's just gone. And I... Woke up, and I remember the first thing I felt was complete and utter relief that it was over. <laughs> I know that sounds, I don't know, it sounds a little bit horrible, but I was literally, oh, it's over, thank goodness it's over. Um, and I went we went over to her bed, and she was like, you could see she was no longer there, but her face was her mouth was shut which was crazy cuz when she was very sick she breathed through her mouth so her mouth was always open as she got sicker and sicker she was and she had no um strength so she was just like everything was kind of relaxed her mouth was shut she was smiling and she had a tear like on her face <laughs> sorry i just like Like, literally, I'd never seen that look on her face, like, complete peace. And, like, just, like, this, like, relief of, like, joy, like, joy, but, like, peaceful joy on her face. And I was just, like, oh, she's gone to heaven. Like, it's almost like she saw God's face as she was, like, going. And it was, like, God, like, put that on her face just to, like, let us know that she was really happy. Um, yeah, and I think seeing that on her face, like knowing that she's with God, like and that literally now nothing is going to separate him, her from his love was like a huge, I don't know, something that you held on to because you knew that she was, yeah, she was happy and she was with,
0: she was with God. Yeah, yeah. And what a beautiful gift for you to yeah. remember her that way. Yeah. And to have yeah. that reassurance. That it's like God sending a message to you that yeah. she's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's that more she's than okay. Happy. She's relieved. She's happy. Yeah. 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 Okay, before I start crying, let's just choose. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> and, sorry. But what would you say to someone going through a hard time or going through grief?
1: Oh, what would I say? I would say... It comes to an end, it will get better. Because mm. I think especially when you're in deep grief, you wonder if it goes away, if it like will get better or easier, or if you always feel like half your heart is gone. Mm. But if you if you place your heart in God's hands, He'll heal your heart. He he, he will heal you and you you're going to feel whole, not half whole or like almost happy, like you're going to be filled with joy again. But stick close to Jesus because he, his love is perfect. No one else is going to fix you. I Like I totally am for psychologists. I'm totally for counselling. I'm totally for talking through stuff, setting yourself up for success. Yeah. But that without Jesus is not going to heal, heal you. It's not going to heal your heart and give you completion, like, in your healing. Um, and, you know, the Bible talks about, like, God, like, if you give him ashes, he's going to bring beauty out of it. If you, if you give him your brokenness, he'll fix it and make it even better than what it was before. Yeah. Like, not that, not that God's plan was ever to kill my mom or take her away. We live in a fallen world and mm. sin has introduced death and sickness, and sin did that to my mum. But God has pulled beauty out of it, and only he can do that, but you've got to give him your pain, and you've got to give him your grief. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it will be
1: over if you put it in his hands. That
0: is actually so powerful because I don't know about you, but when I look on social media, I'm a sucker for people's stories. Like, I love following people for some reason that have gone through tragedies and stuff on social media. (laughs) Cameron thinks I'm so morbid sometimes. But what we do see a lot of on social media is people sharing and venting a lot of their feelings. And something that I've noticed is people going through grief on social media or even having gone through grief, often the message I hear is very different to that. And I hear things like, you've just got to find a new normal and it doesn't get any, any better and you've just got to learn to live with it. And it's not very often that you actually hear a message like what you've just shared, where you've given so much hope, that the Bible says he does give beauty for ashes, that he will heal your heart. He doesn't want to leave you in the middle of that grief with a, you said a half whole heart. That's actually a really good way of putting it. It yeah. wants to give you back a whole whole heart. Yeah. And I think that's really good because I don't read a lot of hopeful messages like that yeah. when it comes to people's stories. Yeah. So um, the other thing too, just before we move to another topic, a lot of people that listen to this are leaders as well. I think you said it before that you, your leaders just let you talk and cry and be yourself. Is that the best thing for us to do as leaders then is just to listen like... Sometimes it's hard to know what to say.
1: Yeah. I don't think I ever really needed anyone to have great advice for me, though. I never was like, mm. like, give me an answer. It was just like, just I would just literally vomit it all out. And for, for Belinda to just cry with me yeah, and say, that's so unfair, yeah. we're like, I'm so sorry. This is really hard. That was like... That's all so I needed. needed. I just needed the support of someone to let me be a mess. Yeah. And to, like, hear the same stories over and over again and not be like, oh, you said that last week. Like, you know, <laughs> it was just like, yeah. yeah, like, let me, like, carry you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the only other thing that I would say is just, like, meeting very practical needs. Like, yeah. um, you know, for me, like, I, I had a lot of responsibility after my mum died and my sister moved away. I, like... Anything that my mum did, I was then responsible for. So, like, you know, washing, cleaning, cooking, anything, shopping. Um, so, like, if you if one of your young people is going through something similar and they, maybe they don't have a space to be a silly teenager anymore or have fun or they're doing a lot of the stuff at home, like, just meeting practical things and be, being there to, like, I'm coming over every week to Mop Before, I'm coming over every week... And on Friday, like, we're going to go out and we're going to, like, have pancakes and, like, we're going to laugh at silly YouTube stuff. Like, just giving space yeah. for the, the context of their age to be realised, yeah. for them to be able to be like, oh,
0: yeah, I'm still yeah. 15. Like, I can still, yeah. like, be stupid and, like... Just doing normal things. Yeah, yeah.
1: Normal things. I think that's yeah. also, like, really important.
0: Yeah. Okay, so, i have only got a couple of minutes because yep. I've been going for almost Sorry. time. Yep. Um. So... Just to finish off with, um, you are a worshipper, you're a singer, Mm -hmm. and um, one thing that you also shared with me was, that I think actually Sam told me, was that you started worship leading again fairly soon after. Yeah. So just talk to us about that, you know, stepping into what you felt God called you to do, even in the midst of all of your grief. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I
1: mean, I did. I think it was only maybe three or four... Four weeks afterwards, I started worship learning again. And there was, like, a real need in the church at the time for that. But I remember saying to my sister, like, I don't want to. Like, I just don't want to sing without mum. Like, I don't want to, like, yeah. It's just a bit, like, I feel empty and I don't want to do it. But looking back, it was, like, the most important thing for me because it wasn't about me, like, having it all together, Or like being like, well, it's not my best, so I'm not going to give it. It was my best for the time. And sometimes Mm. my best was like having a really bad week, worship leading, and sometimes even processing some of my grief through the worship leading (laughs) at church, (laughs) like balling on the stage or like, you know, yeah, just like letting God heal me, but also not being like, hang on, God, like pause on my calling until I feel better. But, and again, like, I didn't, like, I don't think people should push themselves to be like, I'm not having a break, I'm not, you know, blah, blah. But being like, God is not disqualified from my praise, is not disqualified from him being first in my life just because I'm in a bad season. And God is going to love me and carry me through, and especially worship. And you know what you were saying, like... Make that, make that commitment. I'm going to church every week. I'm going to youth every single week. I'm committed to this. Whether it come hell or high water, no matter what happens, like God is my number one, yeah. no matter what happens, like God will take care of you. And he can't help but bless that. Yeah. Like he can't help but bless your heart to be in his house, to do what, you've, what he's called you to do, and he'll give you grace for it. Um, But for me, it was just important because it was, like, a declaration of, like, God's still first in my life. And also, God did some awesome healing in my heart, like, through that. And I'm sure some of the worship was the crappiest worship (laughs) probably ever. But for me, it was, like, personal healing for me to be doing that in his house, in a safe place through grief, Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you still worship lead today and you yep. even ended up touring with Iron and Clay. Yeah. Right? Like, I remember Iron and Clay when <laughs> I was younger and if I had known, like you, I would have wanted you to be my best friend if I knew you because oh, so I funny. loved Iron and Clay. So you toured, was it New Zealand or was it just through uh, here or? We just,
1: did, we just did Australia and Tasmania when okay. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd done. I think they'd done some overseas stuff in the past but yeah. not, yeah. Not how much, lo- like, how old were you when you did the touring? I started when I was 21. Okay. So 21 and I did it for three years. Amazing. So so yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good and it was hard. It was healing. Right. Very healing. Um, It was, yeah, it was interesting. Interesting and good.
0: That's All at the same time. Sounds like another podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it it was really good for me. And I know it was what God was calling me to do. Yeah. Yeah
0: yeah you've always said yes yeah and I'm excited to see I know you're in busy mum season at the moment but you um I'm just so excited to see how and where God takes you in the future because you are a blessing not just to this state but to the nation and I know God's got amazing plans for you um would you mind finishing off by praying for everyone yes Um, particularly maybe people going through a hard time right now and people that are listening that are going through a hard time yeah definitely Um, so i'm just going to get hannah to pray so why don't we close our eyes yeah unless you're driving and you're listening yeah don't Don't close your eyes
1: (laughs) Yeah, just agree (laughs) um yeah father god i just thank you that you are our loving Father, God, that you, your love is perfect. It is, um, it is, doesn't have any expectations on us. It doesn't have strings attached. It is just perfect love, God. And Father, I just pray for anybody listening right now, wherever they're at, whether they're in this room, whether they're in a car, whether they're in a bedroom and they feel suffocated by darkness, they feel suffocated by grief or loss or pain or sickness God and I just thank you that you are bigger than all of that yes, yes. that you that you are bigger that you carried it all on the cross that you you're not a god that is far away you're a god that has always been committed to coming close and allowing us to to be a mess and being okay with us being a mess God and I just pray father right now that if there's anything that we're carrying on our own and we're not letting you carry it, we're not we're not letting you speak, we're not letting you move and maybe we're even angry with you, God, I just pray that um, peace would just come to every heart, that you would just draw close and Father, that anything that we're carrying on our own, God, that you would just take our burden and that you would just begin to carry it and just open up our ears to the truth of your heart for us, God, and your plans and your purposes and I just thank you that... Um, Anything that the devil throws at us, anything that is not of you, anything that sin has created, God, you don't, you didn't just, like, come to die just so that we could live in eternity with you, but you came so that we could have, like, a life in its fullest now, that you want to heal us, that you want to bring beauty out of our ashes, beauty out of our pain and strength. And, God, you want to use the testimony of the dark things to bring you glory and um, yeah we just we just give you our lives we place it on the altar and father I just pray that um, yeah that you would just get the glory in every story I pray that this would be a a moment where people decide right now to give you the dark things to see what miracles you're going to do with it Yeah. Um,
0: yeah in your precious name we pray Amen. Amen. Can you please join with me in thanking Hannah for coming on today and for chatting and sharing her story so vulnerably. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.